This is the 2009 Jack Straw Writers' Programme. You'll hear an interview with Writers' Programme curator Donna Mascolta and writer Michael McGee. Your work seems to be directly influenced by the visual arts. So what came first? Were you first a poet seeking inspiration from the arts, or did the visual move you to write the poetry? It goes back to my childhood. And when I was a little boy, I had we had these postcards. And one of them was the Ponte Vecchio, which is in Florence, very famous bridge in Florence. And I had that, and I looked at it all the time when I was a little boy. And so when I eventually went to Florence or Firenze, there it was. There was the Ponte Vecchio. I ended up crossing to the other side of that bridge from my childhood into my adulthood. And that somehow inflamed my imagination. And maybe that's all where it started. Michael, in your artist statement, you talk about a writer's palette. What are the elements of your palette? For me, my palette might be some flashing reds and oranges. It might be a little bit Moroccan. It might be a little bit Turkish. There might be some deep blues in it, Mediterranean blues, like in Greece and Turkey. Because I've traveled a lot, then I'm also trying to incorporate the different kinds of scenes and places that I've been and the colors, maybe, that come from those places. Now you'll hear selections from Michael's live reading at Jack Straw Productions. Michael McGee, our next writer, a poet who also writes songs and plays, is a man with a colorful background. He comes from a vaudeville family, and he grew up with stories told by his father and grandfather. He himself worked in a circus as an adult while living in England. He remembers imitating Caruso when he was a boy. Michael. I want to start off with a poem called Forenza Remembered. It's based on a photograph by Peter Serko. And it was called Amalfi Remembered, but it triggered this memory for me. I remember leaving my sandals in Florence, how I broke the strap, foot loose and tongue loose. I walked to the other side of the Arno to find a cobbler's shop, father and son, padrone e filio. Then walked home barefoot to my pension. Days later, I returned to claim my soul across the Ponte Vecchio. (laughs) And now a poem about socks. My socks, uh, martyrs to lost causes try to find each other inside my drawers to mate. The single argyle, the available black, the ever popular tan. Why must they always wait without lovers? A single destiny while others find fulfillment in each other's embrace. It's always this way. If they could be happy just once, find another who is true to the spirit of what it means to be a pair. (laughs) Remembered Light is a poem that came from an exhibit of glass fragments from World War II collected by Frederick MacDonald, the chaplain. It was in the Tacoma Art Museum. Each fragment is a shard, and it tells a story from the broken cities of the world. 
Some cathedrals still stand, ornate and Gothic, medieval. Some were built on the ground where they were destroyed. The remains of Charlemagne's bones, hidden in the woods, returned to Aachen, where they still rest as a shrine. A woman, like a ghost fleeing down a holy road of woe, carries two black suitcases in her haste, nearby a wrecked tram. A holy mother in Wiesbaden, whose child, blown from her arms, was never seen again. In Verdun, light murdered the street, a shattered synagogue used for bombing practice, while nearby, a choir rehearsed. In Cologne, only the cathedral survived the British bombs, where the rose window had been removed. Nothing bloomed there but white sheets in the windows, waiting for the dead to make their shrouds. In Frankfurter Dom, pulled out of a drawer the scalp of St. Bartholomew, yellowish, grayish hair, where emperors were once anointed. And last of all, my namesake, St. Michael's in Coventry, first target of the Luftwaffe, rebuilt and rising into a new orbit of light. Next poem is my circus poem. Um, I've had a bit of a circus life in every sense. I've gone to circuses. I worked for the Billy Smart Circus in London. So this comes out of my circus experience. Part of it has to do with seeing Cirque du Soleil, and it has a little tiny intermission written into it. It's called Main Attraction. They dance in air on Chinese fire poles. They shimmy to the top. Shimmering aerialists perform their escapes in white jumpsuits. And clowns with long Italian noses and Commedia dell'arte harlequins, Pantaloni, the red-haired woman, and the star-spangled pony. Two strong men, all joint and muscle, balance each other in counterpoint under the white eggshell sky of the Cirque du Soleil. A swinging rope ladder drops down like a cobra from above our heads, and acrobats launch themselves like cannonballs into space. A woman juggles a waterfall, and two bolo dancers circumscribe the air in arcs in syncopated heels that go rat-a-tat-tat. After intermission, a man from the audience comes up and fights a mute gun battle with one of the clowns. Spider-Men slide down their threads in front of us. Then they fly back up. They exchange places on their platforms. They execute mid-air passes over our heads. And next to me, they're fastening the lunges. A drum beat pounds out the finale. After the clowns have taken their bows, everyone appears on stage. We sit, clasping each other's hands as they rush to their final exits. We rise, wondering what to do next with the ground so firmly beneath us. <laughs> this is another French poem um, based on film noir, based on the movie Breathless that was remade recently, originally by Jean-Luc Godard. It is called Pointless. The French are all gangsters at heart, like Jean-Paul Belmondo with a smoking cigar, blowing off every chance he gets. <laughs> and Jean Seberg, a striped zebra in her turtleneck sweater. It is useless to protest. 
not with that smile like an impala. His cauliflower ears, the pug ugly nose of a fighter, they romp through Montmartre. They're not quite sure who their enemies are. They steal cars. They kill a cop. They're smoking gawazes. They're falling asleep in each other's arms. Bang! Six slugs in his back. Her dulcet eyes, his derelict hat, her pouting lips as she watches. His eyes are tightening to the close-up. Life is really a beach. <laughs> when you're French and in black and white, the before color came along and ruined the night. <laughs> a sort of a femme fatale poem uh, about the green lady. It's a very famous cafe in Prague, the Slavia Cafe, has a painting of the green lady who kind of goes up in absinthe. And from there, I coined a saying that absinthe makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> this is called The Green Lady. Closing time, a new moon lingers, Venus rests in her cradle, and in the painting, an old man sits at his table watching the mermaid, her lovely tale, which she tries to hide. The old gentleman smiles. Meanwhile, the waiter stands pigeon toed, who lives in a world where an empty bottle, a glass half filled, means He's ready to leave. It's closing time. The lovers have drifted two by two. Below the swans are fishing on the Vlatava. Its old name, the Moldau, calls up another age. Smetana, whose spirit sleeps in the churchyard. Above, the castle Horachini keeps its distance. St. Vitus Cathedral, a silhouette inspires, while Charles Bridge links the old and lesser towns of Prague. But none, none figure in his memory. Only the green lady gazing through him. While he stares, the music he cannot hear plays until she disappears, slipping away to leave him on the rocks. And the next two poems are short ones. They sort of dovetail together. The first is called Broad-Billed Hummingbird. The hummingbird on a postcard that you sent me appeared the other day near a fuchsia bush, dripping red jewels. And although it was supposed to be wintering in southwest Texas, like a migrating hologram, it hovered. And for a moment, I was suspended too, like an aerialist without my lunge. Its feathers were like green macrame. It wore a bright blue raincoat that even Leonard Cohen would have envied. Picasso, at the age of 90, got up on a ladder, wearing nothing but a pair of cutoffs, and with a liquid stroke of his brush, whoosh, he painted on the wall a perfect image of a snow-white dove. And so will all of us leave, if not our imprint, a carbon footprint that will live in history, our fossil of love. Thank you very much. This podcast was produced by Jack Straw Productions as part of the Jack Straw Writers Program. The 2009 curator of this program is Donna Mascolta. Music performed by Matt Weiner and Del Rey and recorded as part of the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. Producer is Jenny Cecil Moore. Recording engineers are Mo Preventure, Tom Stiles, and CJ Lazenby. 
Narrator is Amy Broomhall, and Executive Director of Jackstraw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jackstraw Writers Program is made possible with support from the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, Poncho, the Mayor's Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you.